comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The world we know is gone. No Netflix, no iPads, no Instagram, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Episode 76 of the Walking Dead TV podcast, Say the Word. I'm Jordan from Jersey, a.k.a. Dr. Esquire. We got the whole cast and crew on the show tonight. We got Johnny M., Brad Milo, Jim Dietz, and Russ L. How you guys all doing tonight? Great. Same as always. Yes. Yeah, John, you haven't been here for, uh, what, two weeks now? Three weeks? Uh, how have you been? I have returned. It's yes, been glorious. The uh, two shows I missed due to... Uh, the wonderful event known as Hurricane Sandy. Um, everybody's fine here, thankfully. We had no power one week, and then we had family staying with us that had no power the next week. So uh, it's been eventful. Jordan, I'm sure your uh, area of the world is interesting as well. Yeah, I was just outside helping my dad clear up some uh, some hurricane damage today. So fun, fun, yeah, fun. We're still waiting online for gas and stuff like that, but definitely not complaining. So I'm glad to be back. And what did you think of the two episodes that you uh, did not get to discuss with us on air? They sucked. Uh, no, no, they didn't suck. Uh, remind me quickly, two episodes ago, I'm really out of whack. Uh, last episode, T-Dog and Lori died. Two episodes that ago, what happened? That was the all-Woodbury episode. The all-Woodbury. I like the all-Woodbury episode. Um, I don't know. I'm not completely caught up, so forgive me for repeating anything that you guys have covered. I'll get it out of the way right now. Uh, I don't love one note, quiet, angry Michonne. I'm right there um, with you. I get, I get it, but I think I don't know. I, I I need a little bit more out of that character, which maybe we'll get down the road. She's still kind of new. She hasn't even joined up with the whole gang yet. So, um, not loving that so far. Uh, I hated T Dog's death. I hated that they tried to make him be a really cool guy really fast. Before they killed him, and then totally took away any impact that his death had by killing Lori after him. Um, so I'm not sure how much you guys spoke about that or if that was a problem for anybody else. But uh, the action's been really good, and uh, you know, two very solid episodes uh, as a whole, but those nitpicks definitely are, are there for me. I definitely feel you, yeah. and we did talk about some of that in the past weeks, but it's good to get your input as well. Hey, Brad, we haven't heard iTunes reviews in a while. Do you have any new ones for us? We do, actually, yeah. We haven't done this since last season. Uh, I've got five from uh, dating back to uh, October, so only about a month. Uh, I'll start from the oldest and go to the latest. October 12th, Wicked Memories says, Great recaps of the episodes, five 
stars. I'm listening to old shows to recap the series before season three comes out. Great show, great group of podcasters. Green Ranger 2 says, good opinions, five stars, good point of views and discussions. Uh, Mike876 says, uh, three seasons of the best podcast for The Walking Dead, five stars. This is the must-have companion to the show. Spoiler-free and covers parts of the comic as well. Many different opinions expressed each episode with lots of fan interaction. Danny ETG number two, one-star review. Terrible, this person says. Downloaded it (laughs) because I wanted to listen to another Walking Dead podcast. I had to delete this one after five minutes due to them being so annoying when talking about the show. The way they talk too much about the comics, not everyone has read the comics. Danny, have you... Have you listened to this podcast? I'm not so sure you have. Farmville Zombie Uprising on November the 7th, and our latest one says, five stars, outstanding podcast, witty banter. She's talking about John there, I guess. And spoiler-free, intelligent commentary and great insight. This is the, in all capitals, companion podcast to the TV show. Thank you very much, even to you, Danny ETG number two. We thank you for your input. If you guys want to leave us an iTunes review, that's very welcome. You can go to iTunes and search Walking Dead TV podcast, and you'll see our red, white, and black HHWLOD uh, Walking Dead TV logo pop up. You click on that, and you can get to uh, to our page and leave us a review. Thanks for your input, and thank you for listening, everybody. Yes. And I noticed somebody's name that uh, Farmville something is Farmville Zombies like a thing. Is that an actual uh, Farmville is a Facebook one of the guys thing, I correct? work with plays a lot of Farmville, and I know they just had a Halloween theme. I don't know if it was like an expansion or a separate thing altogether, but I'm pretty sure he had zombies in that one because he plays it at work a lot. You know, I'm looking at the top of our page in the section where it says listeners also subscribed to. I count at least seven other Walking Dead podcasts. Oh, yeah. Some are related to the show. Some are related to the comic. And um, to have someone say that they feel that we're the best one out of all those is quite an honor. And uh, it uh, it's very nice and kind of you guys to, to say that and share your opinions with us. We appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. And we should make a point to do these uh, more often. We used to do it all the time, and uh, we've gotten a bit sloppy. Well, before we get to our discussion of the episode this week, uh, who wants to tell us about our sponsor? Our sponsor, once again, for the Walking Dead TV podcast is Discount Comic Book Service. That's dcbservice.com, where you can save 30, 40, 50, even sometimes 75% off of all your comic pre-orders monthly. Um, They have a great ordering system online, whether you just want to peruse through their website and add things to a shopping cart and check out. I personally am a fan of the Excel spreadsheet just because I'm a numbers guy. I um, like to download that and, and click on through, and it tallies up your order. Um, really, really nice. Um, some specials this month at DCB Service are um, you know, Walking Dead related. We have Walking Dead number 106, um, cover price of $399, 40% off at $239, so that's, that's a pretty good discount. Um, some, there's a ton of Walking Dead related stuff. There's t-shirts, there's uh, coffee mugs, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, one of the things I wanted to point out this, this month um, was the Walking Dead silicone tray. And it's 25% off, so only eleven twenty four. And these are these, uh, these silicone ice trays. I guess you can make like even gummy bears or you know whatever on them. And they have 
one of them has like the Walking Dead, you know, font logo on there. Um, there's some zombies. I think there's like a hand. These things are really cool. I've got some Star Wars related ones um, that I've picked up in the past. So those are, those are pretty cool. Um, some other stuff, non-Walking uh, Dead related stuff. Um, all of the Marvel and DC hardcovers this month are 50% off. So definitely uh, stock up on those. There's some good new F- DC 52 stuff going on. Um, they've got some Marvel bundles for the Marvel Now. Uh, that's kind of the big relaunching of, uh, not rebooting, but relaunching of a bunch of the Marvel titles. And you can, if you order them all in one big shot, you can get them for 50% off. Um, check out their website. Um, you know, it's it's the middle of the month now. If you get towards the end, the orders are typically due at the end of the month. If you get into December and um, you still haven't placed your order, don't worry. Just shoot them an email, send in your order, and they'll be happy to accommodate you. Um, excellent uh Excellent service over at um, DCB Service. So we thank them for their support. I guess while we're on the subject of Walking Dead items and uh, swag, have you guys seen the new action figures like in person anywhere? No, no, I haven't. They're very, very nice. I haven't seen them either. I went to uh, Toys R Us looking for those, and uh, I found the Prometheus, the two new Prometheus figures. I picked those up, but I, I really went looking for the Walking Dead and um, I didn't see any of them hiding her hair. The um, the bicycle girl is awesome. I didn't get to see obviously how you wind it up, and it sort of crawls across the little strip of uh, grass that they give you. Um, very detailed. The Shane looks really good. You know, it looks like John Berthall and everything. Um, a little pricey. I don't know, twenty bucks an action figure now is kind of getting crazy, but uh, they are really nice. And they had Stewie, the well zombie. They weren't that much. On the last series, were they? No, I think they were 17 or 18 at Toys R Us anyway, and now they're a full uh, 19.99. Well, somebody will pay for them, you know? Yep. Can we just quickly mention the World War Z trailer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's oh, I was going to ask that about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, this is the, well, not really sequel to the Zombie Survival Guide, but the same same writer, Max Brooks, who's uh, Mel Brooks' son, uh, I've read the Zombie Survival Guide. I have not read World War Z, which is a failing on my part. Believe me, it's in my queue. I will get to it soon. But uh, they turned it into a movie. The movie has had a lot of behind-the-scenes problems. I believe they fired the director, or he he quit at a certain point. They had to go in and do really expensive and really extensive reshoots. And all that said, the trailer looks awesome. The trailer just came out, what, a week ago? Uh, what did you think about it, Brad? Yeah, I was just... I I started to read the book, and I got distracted. It was structured a little differently than your typical novel, so I tend to get distracted by shiny things. And I, you know, I it wasn't holding my attention enough. I do want to read it, but when I saw the trailer, I just I got chills. I was so incredibly impressed by it. Now these are definitely not your Romero zombies. They to use your words, Dr. Esquire, they are treating these zombies like a force of nature. I mean, they're running, they're fast, they're crawling over each other. Like a tidal it wave. It just looks, yeah, it looks so beautiful, it, beautifully shot. Not a Brad Pitt fan, but I'm going to see this movie because it just looks amazing. Now, I guess on a downside, like I said, I, I also like the trailer. Um, from what I understand, it's pretty much nothing like the book um, in terms of, the, the plot or the way the zombies behave because Max Brooks writes Romero zombies. But um, so I, I guess if you're a big fan of the book, this is and this is the impression I get from Facebook, people who are big fans of the book are really disappointed in the trailer. However, for people like you or I who have not read it, um, 
that just looks like something totally different, like something I haven't seen before, and I've seen a lot of zombie movies, so I, I'm really excited yeah. for it. If I have a chance to read a book or see the movie that was made out of the book, I will wait to read the book so I can enjoy the movie for what it is. I don't want to be comparing it to the book the whole time. I've done that on a couple of occasions. Like Jurassic Park, I read, I, I watched the movie first, and then I read the book later. In fact, a couple of years later. Um, I have a feeling that if I had read the book, I would not have enjoyed the movie as much. You would have been like, and where's so that awesome RPG fired at the Velociraptor scene? Yeah. So, <clears throat> wait, 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 I, wait, wait, wait. You read books, Brad? I do. I actually <laughs> read books that don't have pictures in them. Uh, it's 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 pretty uh, it's pretty neat, actually. Now, do you, you have to smuggle those into Texas, or no? <laughs> they have uh, libraries and they have Barnes and Nobles here in Texas. So, but it's in an actual uh, no, barn. It's a, yeah, it's in a barn. <laughs> it's in a very it's noble barn. barn. It is the guy that runs the place. His name is Noble. So. But anyway, no, uh, I will I will avoid reading a book before I see a movie because I want to enjoy the movie for what it is. Then I'll go read the book. It's easier for me to shove the movie aside and read the book than it is for me to shove the book aside and watch a movie. Does that make any sense? Yeah. 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 I can yeah. tell you right now, though, I read the book, and just by the trailer, I can tell you that it's nothing like the book. I was just going to say that. So I don't think you have to worry. Okay. I don't think you have to worry in this case. Okay. Well, it, the the movie looks great, and I'm not a stickler for a certain type of zombie. You know, I don't mind the fast ones. I don't mind the slow ones. I just want them to be creepy and scary, and uh, I got that creepy, scary vibe watching this trailer. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. I mean, this seems to be more like a plague-type infection than an undead thing. Uh, more like a 28 days or weeks later than your that's yeah you know Romero's yeah we didn't see any biting in the trailer that's for sure yeah the book is broken down into like dispatches as the zombie outbreak takes place all over the world and like it's in little you know slice of life patches so that would not like lend itself to a feature film at all I don't think so that's probably why they they, I I probably see them probably taking one of those stories and expanding that into a movie. So that's probably what happened. Why it won't be faithful to the book is because to do so would be like more of an episodic movie. It'd be like, you know, seven or eight stories all smushed together in one movie. And uh, that's not the way Hollywood works when it comes to big budget movies, even zombie movies. Yeah. Okay, without any further ado, let's talk about The Walking Dead, shall we, gentlemen? Please. Right on. Let's do it. Episode five of season three is entitled Say the Word. And we begin in Woodbury. After the uh, very traumatic ending of last episode, we start in the peaceful town of Woodbury where there's a little girl and she, she's got a dog and they're running and frolicking and, and everything's nice. And everybody's talking about the festivities. And then we go up into the governor's apartment where he is brushing someone's hair. And then a piece of the girl's scalp gets ripped off and the camera swings around and we see that he's brushing the hair of a young zombified girl. Well, they go out of their way in this open to, like, establish that whole feeling of normalcy. I mean, the camera pan over the, the front lawn and the cold lemonade, you know, and them you know, making a point of using the generous, like they have something cold to drink on the hot day. And then, you know, you go to the, the scene of the governor, and he's, he's brushing a little girl's hair, and you don't quite, you know, you think something's wrong, but not quite. And then, you know, when the piece comes off, like you said, Jordan, in the pan, the camera pans around, you, you see you know, what's really going on. Well, I'm I'm right in assuming that the four of us knew exactly what was happening. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because obviously this was 
taken from the comic, and I, I for one, have been wondering if this was actually going to happen, and I was really happy to see it in there. I'm surprised they went to it so soon. I I wasn't expecting. I was expecting that almost to be like a big reveal at the end of an episode or uh, some other you know big reveal portion. Um, so I was really surprised that they went to it that early. Uh, the other thing, just real quick at the open, uh, I almost thought like for maybe half a second that this was maybe starting with a flashback. Um, I thought that too, Ross, when I first yeah. saw that. Yeah, mainly just because of the way they left the previous episode. I fully expected them to pick up there. So for just about half a second, you know, as wa- I was watching that, well, a little longer than that, but but not very long. I I really thought maybe they were going to flash back to like maybe better times between Rick and Lori, and then and then you know cut back to you know Rick's nervous breakdown. So that was that was a really cool kind of uh, twist on that on uh, on that opening. All I wanted to add uh, quickly was that I I agree with Russ about them going to it too soon. And that is a theme that I have uh, with the show. If you've read the comic, they've gone to a lot of stuff really soon. And uh, I'll leave it at that, and I will be coming back to that theme as we go along. Fair enough. It is season three, John. Um, do you want to do this now, or should we... <laughs> do you want to do this <laughs> in front of the kids? The... Do you really, Brad? <laughs> no, no we'll, let's... let's wait. Okay. <laughs> So this is the governor's daughter, Penny, who is a zombie. She's uh, uh, presumably the little girl in the picture on his mantle from uh, the end of two episodes ago before he went back and watched his zombies in the uh, zombie heads in the aquariums. Um, And, you know, she she starts trying to bite him and he, you know, it's super creepy, but it's also kind of heartfelt. And, you know, know, this is his daughter, uh, we're told. And so he's still saying, you know, daddy loves you. It's okay. It's okay. And he kind of ties her up and puts a bag over her head, but he's not doing it in a malicious way. He's doing it in a, I still love you, even though you're a zombie. And, uh, and as he's doing this, he looks out the window and sees Michonne looking up at the window from the sidewalk, but there are slats somewhat over the window. So it's unclear at that point at much, how much she had actually seen. He's tying a bag over her head in the most loving way possible. I agree. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, to be fair, you know, his daughter is trying to eat him. So, I mean, that is a, you know, it, it goes both ways. But uh, anyway, it's, it's, it's creepy, it's messed up, but it's not done in a, you know, this is essentially what Herschel was doing last season, just on a smaller scale. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I think it actually, it's tough for us to judge because we knew it was coming, but it's almost... It's almost like you've seen this before, and it takes a little bit of the shock value out of it. You know, like if the barn was such a huge shock that he was keeping his loved ones in there, it probably took away from this moment a little bit, maybe? Well, it didn't for me because I I think they're very different situations. They had him locked up in the barn. They were staying away from him, you know, for their own protection and stuff like that. Yes, to hopefully find a cure for their loved ones. But here, in the governor's lack of a better term in the, for the in the governor's mansion he's friggin like right next to her you know he's got her in a straitjacket he's putting himself in within biting distance this is just further evidence to me that the, the governor is just not all there there's something desperately wrong with this man i i would question though whether it's and i think it could be taken either way is this a sign of his insanity or is this one of the few things tethering him to normalcy I think this, coupled along with what he reveals uh, to uh, Andrea later, is just further testament that this guy's a whack nut job. 
Fair enough. I thought it was creepy that uh, well, the whole thing was creepy, but especially when it seemed like he he held her and pointed her face towards the music that that music seemed to calm her down. That made it even like weirder. Like she wasn't, you know, I would picture that zombies, you know, or at least how we've seen them so far, they pretty much when they get around human, you know, un, you know, living humans, they pretty much are crazy all the time and, and are wanting to bite and lash out and, and move forward. And when she kind of calmed down for a minute there, that's what really kind of creeped me out the most. I didn't catch that. Was there a, a, a radio, a shot of a radio in, or, or something like that? Or uh, I don't know if you saw the radio, but you could hear it for sure, or you could hear something was playing it... music. In fact, when the episode started, I thought he was playing piano because you saw you just saw his head and you heard yeah. piano music. Yeah, that's what I thought, so too. So it was more than just the Bear McCreary soundtrack? I believe so, yeah. Yes. Okay, I didn't catch that. Which, I mean, this was mentioned... Uh, two or three episodes ago when they went into uh, Milton's little laboratory. But that's another thing that reminds me a lot of Day of the Dead is zombies reacting to music. Um, and I kind of like the referencing Day of the Dead a lot in Woodbury because the themes of Day of the Dead play directly into the themes of Woodbury. The, you know, trying to maintain normalcy while everything else has gone to hell. I mean, I, I really like that they're paying a lot of homage to that. Well, I mean, uh, speaking to your point you made earlier, Jordan, I think she represents hope to him and, and normalcy, like you said. Like, he's even got, you know, Milton working on, uh, you know, on these zombies, you know, trying to research them, you know, to, come, to figure out some way to bring her back or whatever, to cure her, quote-unquote, if that's even possible. So, I mean, you know, I think that's like his, not only his tether to his old life, but also representing hope to him, that hope that someday he'll have his, you know, his daughter back. But again, is that a sign of sanity or is that a sign of complete insanity? Yes, it is. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we head back over to the prison where we meet up with Rick pretty much at the exact moment we left off, maybe maybe a few seconds later. But he is shell-shocked, I guess would be the best word for it. He's He doesn't say a single word this entire episode until the last shot of the, of the episode. He grabs an axe, he heads into the cell block, and he starts going to town on any zombies he can find. He's just chopping them in half, chopping their heads off, chopping their heads in half. Um, it is a brutal scene from him. There's that scene with Daryl, like, waving at him, like, Rick, are you in there? Hello. You know, like, the the camera kind of reels back and forth as, as you know, the people are trying to get Rick's attention, but he's just off in, in his own little thing. Like you said, he grabs the axe and, and runs off, and some of the most horrific uh, zombie kills I think we've seen all season. I mean, the the axe splitting the you know the one zombie straight down the middle of his head, you know the other like straight up decapitation from you know, the middle of the skull. I mean, he's really brutalizing you know the walkers. He has so much anger to take out on them. Um, but but the, the, I think it was really well done just showing him being in shock like that. And the the other like I said, Daryl like you see it from Rick's point of view, he's like. You know, snapping his fingers, trying to get uh, you know Rick's attention, and you know, that's just how out of it he is. He can't even respond to the rest of his friends. I think at this point we should mention that uh, Greg Nicotero directed this episode, which probably has a lot to do with what you just mentioned, Jim, about the the graphic kills, which uh, I found extremely entertaining this week. There was some. Uh, there was one that kind of went. Really, couldn't have spent a little more time on that CGI right there. But ninety nine percent of the stuff really worked for me. I enjoyed it. I, I thought, yeah, I was going to point out the same thing, Brad. I thought it was really cool the way they started it, where you were focused in on Rick's face, 
and you just saw him yes, swinging, was... and you heard the noise. And at first, and you saw the blood splatting yeah. on him. That was genius. Yeah. And at first, I was like, "Oh man, I hope they're not using this as a way to cheat." And then, so it, it was really cool because you got to see the intensity in Rick's face. You got to see, you know, Andrew Lincoln's, you know, performance in in you know killing these zombies. And then they flip back around, you know, to a behind the head, you know, behind, you know, over the shoulder shot of him, you know, going to town on the other ones. And I was like, that was a really Really cool, very well done scene. I was very happy with Nicotero's direction in this episode. Very, very happy. I agree. Now, was it Rick or was it later Michonne who chops a zombie in half, like stem to stern, from neck to uh, groin? I think that was Michonne when she finds the yeah. walkers in the uh, in the Coliseum. Okay, because that one was man, that was a cool kill. But I could not remember who did it. Um, Brad, I know you're a big Abraham Lincoln zombie hunter fan. Uh, did him swing in the axe like that? Re- movie ever. Did Rick swing in the axe like that remind you of that movie at all? I didn't think of that movie once when I was watching last night. I was just <laughs> thinking, man, Rick has lost it. Oh, Rick is out of his ever-loving mind. So we head back, or no, before we head back to Woodbury, uh, Herschel tells him, hey, you know, we have to get uh, formula for this baby since Lori's dead. So uh, Daryl and Maggie head out. Glenn's at first like, no, no, I'll go, I'll go. But Maggie tells him she needs to do this. And so Daryl and Maggie... Head off on the motorcycle to look for supplies. All right, can I be a jerk? I mean, oh, please do, because yeah. I'm about to. I mean, more so than usual. Uh, Herschel looks mighty healthy, doesn't he? All you people that say the bite is what kills you, you can suck it. Yeah, but that's because they cut his leg off before it spread. Nah, it doesn't hold water with me. You guys are all <laughs> wrong. All of you are wrong. Uh, I hope the um, baby does not become this plot device now where, well, we have to go get formula and diapers, and then, you know, is the baby going to get a fever next week? And so we have to find antibiotics and send people out to a pharmacy. You know what I mean? Like, I was worried about having the baby on the show, and I hope – I get it the first time around. They have nothing for a baby, so they have to go find baby stuff, but I hope it doesn't continue too much. I'd be very surprised if the baby was around more than a few episodes. Oh, I, yeah, that's... I disagree. You see them towing around the baby, huh? Yeah. Well, no, yeah. they'll probably carry it. But... <laughs> Maybe they'll... You know, this the show has already departed from the comic in so many ways. Sorry, iTunes listener who thinks we talk too much about the comic. Um, maybe they'll take the baby in a completely different direction than uh, than what we know, you know? Yeah, I'm not worried about the comic baby or not... Right. Um, I know what you're saying, but I I don't know, man. It wouldn't bother me. I mean, you know, you know how many and we'll get to this in a second. I'll just wait for I'll save it for for that scene. What one one thing real quick on Daryl. I thought it was interesting how we're seeing Daryl take on this uh we we definitely saw the softer side of Daryl this episode. Um, okay, but, I was going to bring that up since you brought it up. But, let's talk about it. But he, um, one of the things I, th- I thought was interesting at the beginning, it seemed like it went a little further towards the end of the episode. But in the beginning, it seemed like because of not just Lori's death and T-Dog's death, but at this point they think Carol is dead. And I think Daryl even says nobody else is going to die. Like we're going to take care of this baby. We're going to get this formula because nobody else is going to die. Like at this point, I think Daryl's really pissed, and he's just like, I don't care what we have to do. I don't care, you know, how dangerous it is. This baby's going to live. You know, we're going to make sure we see to it that this baby's going to live. And I thought that was kind of cool 
Um, and then, it, and then, like I said, it just it just got uh, a, lo- a lot more interesting for Daryl as the episode went on. Well, we know from past episodes that Daryl has a real soft spot for kids. I mean, he looked for Sophia longer than anybody else, and a lot of that probably sure. comes to his own terrible childhood that we've had mostly implied. But you know, when you got Big Brother Merle, it's not that hard to guess. Um, you know, he he's definitely there for kids. He's <laughs> he's Santa with a crossbow. So I think that they're at least being consistent with the character. Plus, with Rick going off the deep end, he has to step up. I mean, he's the only one who can, really. I mean, you know, Glenn, Glenn is there and Herschel is there, but somebody has to take the initiative. Someone has to keep the group inspired and keep them on task while Rick goes to have his moment, you know, with the axe. Um, so, you know, he, he really steps up. Here, here's my problem with the scene. You're going to let your girlfriend, who has like, the few condoms that you found left after the zombie apocalypse, go off alone with Norman Reedus? I don't know. Yeah, I thought of that for a second. I thought there was... Uh... What's he going to do? Challenge him Something to one on one combat? <laughs> no offense to Glenn, but he ain't walking away from that one. <laughs> uh, so we head back to Woodbury, where, you know, on one side of the town, the governor is giving another rah rah speech to the people. Today we're going to celebrate. And uh, while this is all going on, Michonne sneaks into the governor's mansion and she gets her katana. And she also notices a journal sitting on the desk and she rifles through it. And, uh, you know, you can. C- kind of make out a lot of it you know from a distance but there's things like the town charter and all that kind of stuff and then she gets to a na- a list of names which uh, i've seen a lot of people theorize are the names of the people who the governor has lost uh people from the town who have been zombified but the last name on that list is penny and it's bold it's underlined and then there's a bunch of diagonal lines beneath it like going from line to line on the notebook and she flips the page and the next two pages are completely filled with lines. And she flips the page again and again, and there's like 20 pages of just these lines. and Tally marks, basically, right? I think they're just like, you know, when you see like the little kid in the ring scribbling out eyes on, a, on, a, uh, on photographs, I think it was more like that, just insane doodling. Like, yeah, he's it's just more evidence mind. that, I was going to say, I think it's just more evidence that he's lost it, especially since his daughter... Because that, if each one of those marks uh, you know, was what, one person, that'd be like 100,000 people. I, I doubt I think, they're tally marks. I think he was keeping a tally of the people in Woodbury who who lost it. And then once his – who died. And then once his daughter died, he just stopped caring and went nutso. I'm right there with you. Could it be, I'm trying to remember the uh, trying to remember the page. Her name had a couple of exclamation points next to it, right? I don't know if it was exclama- exclamation points, but it was bolded and underlined, like he had written over it like six or seven times. Mm, I was thinking maybe he kept repeating the exclamation point over and over and over again. No, that's that's that hash mark that that uh, Jordan mentioned. Yeah, this is like a forward slash. Gotcha. The, the name above Penny is Elizabeth. Was that his wife's name? Um, I don't know. I don't know that he ever mentioned her by name, but I, I don't recall. And the uh, the thing that really reminded me of was like Jack Nicholson in The Shining, you know, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. You know, he's supposedly writing down all the names of people that we've lost, but instead he's just, you know, scribbling, uh, you know, insanely in, in this book. So that's what the vibe I got from it anyway. That's exactly what ran through my head, Jim, when I saw those hash marks one after another, line after line. I thought that very same thing. I'm just double-checking now, and it does not seem that they gave a name for his wife. Just FYI. So later on, uh, Michonne, after she leaves his apartment, 
She wanders uh, back right by the entrance to Milton's uh, secret laboratory, which also seems to be directly below the governor's apartment, as best I could tell. Um, the geography was not entirely clear, but I got that impression. And she finds a cage full of walkers, and uh, she opens up the cage, she lets them free, and then she methodically kills them. And I think this is the first time we've seen her smile in uh, her, her small number of episodes, but it was a nice change, and uh, that aforementioned stem-to-stern zombie kill was awesome, as were all the others. I don't, I'm trying to remember the CGI in this scene. I think maybe, I think maybe it was a little shakier than in the Rick in the in the prison scene. But that was a darker scene overall, so maybe it showed up more. I, yeah, I think, John, this is the place where I was thinking, yeah, you could have probably spent another hour or so on that shot, because one of them was, was pretty shaky. But for the most part, it was a cool scene, seeing her uh, you know, relieve some tension. So at the end of that scene, uh, one of the guys from Woodbury walks around the corner with a bucket of uh, entrails to feed the zombies, I guess. And uh, we then cut to... Michonne in the governor's office with the governor talking to her and he's basically like what you did was really stupid and you don't go into someone's place and, and steal their stuff you don't kill their, or destroy their property but at the same time you know that was a pretty fearless thing you did I'd love to have you join the research team and uh, and at that point she brings up Penny so he assumes that she saw him through the window and so he's like oh well if you know about Penny uh, you know I loved her uh, kind of downplaying the thing and at the same time she assumes it's uh, his lover or his wife or, or something like that. And uh, so he, he quickly realizes she does not know as much as she thinks she knows. See, I never got I never got that from that scene. I didn't think, oh, he thinks she saw him through the window. Well, she was looking my right thought, at him. Yeah, but my thought was she that he was thinking maybe she heard from somebody in the town that the governor used to have a daughter named Penny. Um, because... He, she obviously knew the girl's name, and if she did, in fact, see uh, the girl through the window, she she wouldn't have known the girl's name. So she'd had to have heard the name from somebody in the town. So I kind of I kind of thought, oh, maybe the governor thought somebody in the town had mentioned it, and you know that she was far enough away that there's no way she's going to see. Well, I, I agree that she didn't see, but I mean, she she replies back with. Uh, bet you say that about all the girls. So at that point, either he realizes she doesn't know it, she she he realizes she doesn't know as much as she thinks she knows, or he's just really confused as to, well, there's nothing untoward going on here. It's my daughter. It's uh, you know, she's a zombie, but uh, you know what I mean. Like there seemed to be a no, definite disconnect between what they both thought each other was saying. Well, she's kind of fishing for information. She knows all she knows is the name Penny. So she says that. And you know she sees it a long list of you know other, of other people, women included. So maybe she assumed it was one thing, and she's kind of fishing for information. Drops the name Penny, and he's like, "Oh, so you know about Penny then?" And then uh, she says, "You, yeah, but you said to all the girls," and that kind of blows the fact that she really doesn't know who Penny is at all. That's what I got from it anyway. Right, I would agree with that. And then things go downhill from there because he's holding the katana and uh, standing behind her. It's a very threatening scene. She catches him off guard, she spins around, she grabs the sword out of his hand, holds it up against his neck, and uses that to, uh, to let herself out of the room, and, uh, and she leaves. And uh, at that point, Merle comes in, the governor talks to him, he doesn't mention that, uh, <laughs> that she attacked him, instead he tells Merle to go get more grist for the mill. I have to say that um, I really liked mysterious 
badass Merle, who we only knew cauterized his own wounds and, you know, survived. Um, you see what I'm getting at? Like, seeing Merle in this position all the time, like, as lapdog, I really don't enjoy that as much as uh, the threat of Merle. I felt that same way, John, until the scene in the arena. You know, that we'll get to later. The scene in the arena, or the Coliseum, as one of you guys called it, kind of put him back in the badass category, as far as I was concerned. But That and also the scene with him and Milton getting the zombies earlier on. Yeah, seeing seeing him as somebody that had to be rescued kind of took the edge off of Merle for me for a little bit. I know what you're saying. But, like I said, after that scene later in the show, it it kind of erased that feeling. Because we've always known that Merle's kind of crazy. And seeing him in that one scene later on just kind of reinforces that. Absolutely. So back at the prison... Uh... Axel and Oscar go over to Glenn, and they offer to help him dig the graves for uh, Lori, T-Dog, and Carol, who everyone still assumes is dead, and we still don't know one way or the other whether she is. Uh, So Glenn lets them dig, and he goes over and talks to Herschel, and Herschel's at first like, you know, these guys seem pretty good. But Glenn says, you know, at some points I just want, you know, I wish we'd killed everybody, and I uh, I, I wish I could trade all of them for just having our people back. And this is where he tells us another great story about T-Dog, which they could have told us about when T-Dog was alive. <laughs> yeah, where, he, where yeah. T-Dog went out with his church van after the zombie apocalypse happened and went to every senior citizen's house he knew and tried to see if they needed help. <laughs> that would have been a great flashback when T-Dog was alive. We all yeah, would have liked as opposed to our memory of him now being, <laughs> hey, remember that time he moved that box over slightly to the right? Does Did this feel like, <laughs> to anybody else, did it feel like, it was them going, you know, we really kind of mistreated the T-Dog character. Maybe we should try to make up for it. I realize we can't have him on anymore because he's dead, but we got to throw him a bone at least one more time. It felt a little forced. I agree. I agree, Brian. Y- yeah, which is a shame, but, you know, I I appreciate the effort, but come on, you guys are smarter than that. The uh, if, if Carol... Well, let me backtrack. There's no way Carol is dead. And this is the most ham-fisted way of trying to make people think that she might be dead that I've ever seen in my life. Like, I can't even... Why are they doing this? They've shown no body. They never showed her getting attacked. Like, why are we even supposed to think that she might be dead? I'll tell you why. I don't get this part at all. I'll tell you why. I went back and watched the episode where... T-Dog and Lori died, and that's the last time we saw Carol. That thi- yeah, I, I get that. That thing that uh, Daryl picks up off the ground, it was the... Th- Her head wrap. Yes. So that was their quote-unquote evidence that she's dead. And I, But I agree with you, it's not enough, but for the TV characters, apparently it is. So it's not really supposed to be that we think she's dead. It's supposed to be that they think she's dead. Right. Yeah, I mean, they've said as much. And beyond that, you know, when, we've got to wonder, you know, you know, we all think she's alive. But where the where in the world is she? What is she doing? Why hasn't she come back? That's the real question. Well, that's how I would think they would be reacting. Like, where the hell is she? Like, why 
was there no body? Well, listen. You know, that, that's another thing we have to get to with Laurie. Like, has anyone ever been killed by a zombie and all the remains are gone? Like, they've eaten the bones yeah, and we'll get the to clothing. That. We'll get to that in a second, right? Okay. But another thing we'll also get to is the scene where Glenn is digging the graves. And he's digging one, and then he tells the prisoners, we need two more. So that's a total of three, which means Lori, T-Dog, Carol. So everybody thinks Carol's dead. Everybody's assuming she's dead. We'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and Daryl puts the flower on the grave. Like, I, I, I get right. that, but I guess I guess they're not reacting enough to it for me. So I'm taking it as I'm supposed to think she's dead. I don't know. It's a little bit, I don't know, it's a little bit confusing to me, and I think there's the Lori thing is confusing at the end a little bit too, And but we'll get to that. What's next, Jordan? Uh, Next, we head back to Woodbury, where the governor tells Andrea what Michonne did, or at least his version of it, which isn't that far from the truth, but enough that, you know, he's twisting things. And uh, he also mentions that she killed the captive walkers, and uh, so she asks, well, why are you doing that? He says, I have my reasons, but I'm not going to explain right now. Andrea heads back over to Michonne, who's packing everything up, and she says, we need to leave now. Uh, no No one who comes here leaves. And Andrea argues, you know, you've got the wrong idea about this. You got the wrong idea about Woodbury, about the governor. It's all going to be fine. Oh, Andrea. <laughs> uh, we head back over to the prison where uh, Glenn has followed all the walkers that Rick killed looking for Rick. You know, it's just him, a flashlight, and then some type of weapon. I forget exactly what he had. Um, he finds Rick, who is kind of just in a corner in the shadow, breathing heavily, covered in blood. And Glenn keeps his distance for the most part. At first, I thought he was really close and sneaking up, and I was like, that's a really stupid move, especially when you're in a horror TV show. But once the camera reversed position, you could see he had a decent distance, and he goes, hey, you know, we need you to come back outside. You know, everything's okay. We need to deal with this. And Rick, again, completely wordlessly, goes over. He grabs, or well, when Glenn finally touches him on the shoulder, he, he grabs Glenn, he spins him against the wall, he holds him there for a few seconds. And then he throws him back in the other direction, and he just walks off, all completely wordlessly on Rick's part. It's uh, it's crazy. I I don't. I wonder how long you can have a lead character uh, act this way, but it would seem like it's not something that he's going to snap out of really quickly either. I I disagree, but it gets into the ending, and I don't know how much we want to get into that but i i, I think we I, need to be pretty vague about that till yeah next week. i have i have a theory yeah I, I think next week we'll have a lot to talk about with that ending because we pretty much know where it's going but we don't want to spoil it for anybody but they, they did say on talking dead that next week it will be revealed who was on the other end of that telephone and from there we will have probably 20 minutes of discussion just on that single subject so we head back over to woodbury again uh where milton merle and the rest of the research team uh they drive one of the trucks over to this spot where there's a pit and there's a kind of a solar powered noise and shiny light generator uh it's it's three spinning pylons with like shiny rocks on them and pieces of mirror and it makes some kind of noise and uh apparently this attracts the zombies they walk over they fall in the pit and then when the research team needs zombies they just pull the net out from the pit with the zombies and that's how they replenish their supply kind of ingenious yeah i like this actor um, again, I apologize if, if I'm repeating anything that you guys have talked about. Uh, he was on Rubicon, which is the AMC show that failed. Right, right, right. 
I don't know if anybody watched that besides me. I watched me. a few episodes. Uh, Dallas Roberts is the name of the actor who plays Milton. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. I, I like this part. I like the Weasley, snivelly, like, science guy. You're talking about Milton? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah I like how Merle tells him that maybe he should try to get his hands dirty once in a while, and uh, he tries to even throw a collar on one of them, and he almost gets bit. Um, but until we find out later why, it, it was kind of puzzling to watch him hold him down and pull out, the, pull out his teeth. Yeah, that was gross. For people who are afraid of the dentist, that was probably not a good scene. <laughs> well, also, it looks like Milton, he did get, quote, bit, but he had these sleeves that he manufactured out of some, I don't know if it's some kind of Kevlar material or whatever, and it protected his arm. So um, even Merle, I think, made the comment like, oh, I, I thought those sleeves were, you know, like a waste of time or something, but, you know, I could see that, you know, that was a, you know, Good, a good thing that you were protected or something like that. He made some kind of comment related to the fact that that he was protected. Him, he protected himself. And I know Jordan made mention that he reminded him of the scientist in Day of the Dead. He also kind of reminds me of a Dr. Herbert West, the reanimator. He's kind sure. of got that, that kind of like uh, always semi-nervous, uncomfortable around people, you know, uh, kind of, uh, you know, uncomfortable in his own skin kind of vibe. I definitely prefer his mad scientist to Jenner in season one. This is a much more interesting character to me. Well, Jenner really wasn't a scientist per se. Well, he was a scientist. He wasn't I mean, a mad scientist, but he was a scientist. Right. That's, well, right. I think Jenner was there to further the plot is all he, he was there for. Right, I don't right. think he, he didn't really have a purpose other than to inform the the audience and the survivors as to what was going on. Whereas I think Milton has a has a, a specific purpose. Right. I definitely prefer mad scientist to the regular type any day. How about that? Fair enough. So at that point, we meet up with Daryl and Maggie, who uh, go to a daycare center. That I think they mentioned that they had passed it earlier on in their travels. So they go there to look for bottles, formula, diapers, that kind of stuff. And it's a very tense scene where I'm sitting there going, are they going to find zombie babies? Because that is really messed up. They I thought the noise. same thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I was I was really tense about that. I, and it was like it was probably like a five minute scene like it was super tense for the entire time um, as they're sneaking in they hear a noise in one of the cupboards they open it up and it's a possum so that's their dinner at least according to Daryl Maggie's not particularly happy about that but they find the formula they find uh, some bottles and some other stuff and they find a possum and then they head back in a lot of ways I actually think I'm happy that they didn't actually show zombie babies because I'm very you know, happy they didn't show zombie babies well as a new father I can understand that but I mean just in terms of like from a technical aspect CGI or animatronic however they did it it would probably look weird and I think the threat of zombie babies was much better than them actually showing it I agree uh, we head back to Woodbury where Andrea and Michonne head to the perimeter gate uh, Merle stops him at first, and, and Michonne's like, look, see, obviously they're not going to let us leave. And then Merle does. He opens the door. Andrea and Michonne argue a little bit more, and Michonne leaves, leaving Andrea behind, and Merle shuts the door. So Michonne is now on her own, and Andrea is staying behind in Woodbury. I almost thought for a minute that they would either try and shoot at her or even shoot her. Like, I, I, I kept waiting for... The other shoe to drop on that, or something, something happened, and um, so I was kind of uh, again another kind of moment of tension that um, you know that didn't play out at least in my own my own head. Andrea shouldn't be trusting the guy that's working with Merle so much, right? Like 
Andrea knows Merle is a maniac. Yes. Andrea is the new Lori. Yeah. So you got you have to figure. I mean, I guess they had a conversation a couple of episodes ago, Merle and Andrea, that maybe convinced Andrea that you know she she feels bad for him now that he lost his family or he has nobody. Is that I guess what we're supposed to believe? I just have a hard time. I get it that Andrea's been sick and traveling for so long, and she like found a place finally where she you know wants to relax for a little while. Like I I get that. But I don't get her being okay with being on Merle's team. Well, but we also have seen throughout the show that she makes questionable decisions about men. I mean, just think about her taking the advanced class yeah. with Shane uh, back in season two. You know, she seems to go for the bad boys. She goes for the more dangerous types, uh, the not quite stable types. So her and the governor kind of make sense. Her and Merle at least being... Uh, not at each other's throats also makes sense. You know, it, it fits with her character, at least in the TV show. I wasn't yeah. on last week. And so you guys read an email on my behalf. And I mentioned something about uh, lamenting the fact that the Andrea we know and love from the comic, I was convinced that we'll never see this person in this show. And this is, this week is just further, further reinforces that for me. Uh, this, this Andrea is nothing like, uh, the one that we desperately wanted to see in this show that we thought maybe might have she might have been approaching you know in season two but this ain't the Andrea we know from the comic so you know whatever but I'm just sad about it although I, I don't think it precludes her from eventually becoming the Andrea we know and love I mean at a certain point this whole season or at least her story in Woodbury could be the uh, Andrea learns a very special lesson about being more careful um, in a nutshell, you know what I mean? Like By the end of this, she could become the person we know and love, even though she isn't That's anywhere true. close to that now. That's true. But also, I mean, her character in the comics was for so long defined by her and um, and Dale. She doesn't have yeah. that second half anymore, so that's really going to change who this person is. As dangerous as Merle is, too, I think that uh, Merle like I think he knows that she knows that Merle likes her enough that he he's not going to mess with her. Plus, she also knows she's under the protection of the governor, and the governor definitely has Merle on a short leash. So later that evening, uh, the governor meets up with Andrea again, and he says, "Hey, let's go get a drink. Take your mind off off of everything, and uh, we're going to go enjoy the festivities." And they head down the street. At which point, we head back to the prison where Daryl and Maggie get back to the cell block. They got the baby supplies in tow. Uh, Daryl takes. Uh, the baby from, I believe it's from Carl, and at this point we, we have been told in the show the baby is female, so I think this is the first time we've been given a clear indication of that. Uh, Daryl takes the baby, gives her the bottle, and uh, this is this is the moment when about, uh, I don't know, 100,000 women across uh, the U.S. became spontaneously pregnant, I think, right? Yeah, this is what yeah. I was going to bring up earlier that I said I would wait. Um, yeah, I felt uh, I felt the earth move when this <laughs> happened. Would that be a for whom the bell tolls reference? I guess not. I don't even know. Oh, that's a good book. Anyway. Is that a book? Yes. <laughs> Is there a movie? Oh, uh, there's a song. <laughs> yeah. For whom Is there, the If there's a movie, tolls. I might have seen it, but uh, no. <laughs> Is there a movie so I could skip uh, the book? Yeah, really. There may be a movie. I don't know. I, I read the book in high school or college, I think. I, anyway. No, but you know you just, you know, tons of Dixon's Dixons were swooning at this point. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, it's like uh, when they talked about how with Hurricane Sandy, if the uh, if the power was off for over three days, they expected I think it was a seven percent birth rate increase in uh, in the in the next nine months. You know, because the power was out, and that's something that apparently happens. I bet you we'll see a birth rate spike in nine months from the moment this episode aired. And what else are you going to do when the lights go out? Exactly. Uh, so while Daryl's holding the baby, he asks Carl, "You know, have you thought about what we're going to name the baby?" And Carl then lists off every single female cast member uh, who we've gotten a name for, pretty much, uh, that has been killed. Uh, I think he ends with Lori. In fact, he ends, pauses, and then adds Lori's name. And uh, Daryl actually suggests they call the baby Lil Ass Kicker, which I think is perfect. I had forgotten about Jackie. <laughs> yeah, season one, episode six. She had about four lines the entire series, but she was there. Three more than T-Dog. <laughs> you know, although, that yeah, brings up something interesting. You're talking about how... Um, how Glenn has that whole conversation about wasn't T-Dog such a great guy? Didn't they do something similar in season two where they had T-Dog talk about what a great person Jackie was? I think you're right. Yeah, so it's, it's a theme anyway. Not exactly a good one. Seems like so long ago. Yeah, yeah, well, it was a year ago. I hope you guys do that about me if I die soon. <laughs> well, please don't die soon. No, I don't have any plans on it, but you never know. We don't want to have to pick up the slack or anything. Yeah, I have, I, you know, I don't plan on it. <laughs> Can I have your CDs? Yes, I'll just go ahead and mail them to you. Uh, we catch up with Rick, who finds the boiler room where uh, Lori had the baby. And uh, he falls to his knees. He's looking for the body. There's kind of blood streaks everywhere like the body was dragged. And he follows it until he finds a bloated walker uh, who's got a you know a really distended stomach. It's just absolutely full and can't even move pretty much. It's just sitting there against the wall. Uh, he goes over to the walker. He puts his gun in its mouth, uh, pulls the trigger, and blows its brains out pulls out a knife, and then stabs its belly over and over while crying. All right, two questions. Does he pick up a bullet off the ground? Yes. Uh, or a shell case, okay. to be specific. And so we're supposed to assume, I imagine, that this is the bullet that killed Lori. Yes. According to Greg Nicotero on The Talking Dead, as part of getting into character, Andrew Lincoln keeps that bullet, or the shell casing, in his pocket every day when he's acting as Rick. Like, that's something the character does keeps that bullet in his pocket, which is kind of cool. My second question is, are we supposed to be under the impression that the zombie with the big belly ate Lori's entire body, bones and all? Pretty much. I Yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I kind of questioned that myself, but I was like, I guess that's what... At first I thought Rick was literally going to open that, that dude up to check out and see if he saw like Lori's head or something in there, which I was like, man, that's really messed up. His, um, her hair was all over its mouth, though. Like there was I strand, make that long out. black strands of hair sticking out of its mouth. Oh, I couldn't I tell. Didn't that. Notice that. I I don't buy this for a second. No, it was. A, I just want to backtrack quickly one second. This was like the biggest thing on Twitter. We probably got half a dozen questions as to were we supposed to uh, believe that this zombie ate Lori. So it definitely was maybe not pulled off as effectively as they would have liked. I didn't see the hair either. That probably would have helped. Um, but go ahead, Brad. Only an hour or so has gone by since Lori died. No, it's been that. like eight. No, it's been all day because no. they, they, the scene right before this is uh, uh, Maggie and Daryl coming back with the formula and the baby. So it's nighttime at that point. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, good point. Even in eight hours, you think a zombie could eat a whole body, bones and all? Dude, did you see them okay, tearing first, into that horse? 
or the yeah, zombie that ate the entire woodchuck last season? There was, there was absolutely no part of Lori's body anywhere to be found. Yeah, it could. I mean, how do you eat a skull? Yeah, that. How do you uh, eat? That I mean, how do you eat bones, a skull? Uh, zombies aren't the. Zombies are messy eaters. Is what I'm trying to say. There's no way that the zombie's going to clean up after itself and wipe the floor clean. And what about clothing? Now, do you guys think yeah. they could have gotten away with showing, you know, Lori's half-eaten corpse in pieces on the ground on television? Yeah, because of everything they've shown on this show. Yes. Okay. Definitely, okay. they they could have gotten away with that. Or her clothes and some bones picked clean, or something. I would have been happy if they would have just shown her with a bullet wound to the head and then well I, I guess I guess Rick couldn't take her back out because then that kind of defeats the purpose of the, of the ending of the episode I guess they kind of painted themselves in a corner because of where they went with the ending um, so I guess maybe this is they just it was just like well we got to do something because he can't find her whole because then he's gonna want to take her out and bury her he can't he wouldn't give him to some give her to someone else to do Um and you know, and, and then again, when he's sitting there, you, you know, if he takes her outside, he doesn't go back in, and then we never get the phone call. So, again, like I'm I, I kind of repeating myself, but I think they just painted themselves in a corner um, in there, and that was just the the way they decided to get out of it. And I, I, there's there's something more I could say, um, but but again, I think we I think I'll it save it till next, next week. week. Yeah, yeah, I think I'll save it for next week because I think it'll make a little more sense and maybe. Um, while I, I agree with you guys that the fact that her entire body was gone. Now, I mean, maybe it could have been multiple zombies, and that was just the one that, that lingered behind. I don't know. Maybe it's right it, around the next corner. We don't know. Yeah, it it did seem very wonky to me, and I was just kind of like, what? You know, it, was, it, it wasn't clear, um, but it was implied, and it just was very awkward. And I think, I think it's just one of those things where you just suspend a little disbelief and move on because they're, I think they're going, they're doing something pretty cool. Uh, so we'll see how it plays out. Something my wife brought up is that um, she thought he was stabbing it in the stomach of the zombie to get back uh, Lori's wedding ring. Ooh, could be. Hmm, I hadn't thought of that. I think it's the... also just because he's unhinged at this point. Well, there is yeah. that. But I mean, yeah, I thought that, that that was interesting that she brought that up. That was you know, why he was... You're digging so deep into there that he didn't expect to pull out Lori's head or anything, but he might find the wedding ring. These are my thoughts as the scene was happening. Rick goes in, doesn't find her. No body, no evidence of a body. Okay, obviously Carl's shot didn't kill her, and she rezombified and she got up and walked away. Then he finds the bullet. Then we, we along with Rick, hear something. You know, what turns out to be the zombie with the big belly. But I thought, oh, gosh, that's uh, zombie Lori around the corner. And then he walks around the corner, and it wasn't. It was the zombie with the belly. Which at first you only see the belly. So it was like, is that Lori right there? Yeah, exactly. I thought, okay, her belly's still swollen from from the whole birth thing. And then it turns out it's a a man. It's a mad baby. I thought for a minute it was a pregnant zombie, like somebody that got zombified, and just because I, I couldn't get my head around he ate Lori, I couldn't I couldn't get my head around that, and pregnancy was like halfway on the brain because of Lori having the baby there, 
And I was like, what? Is that a pregnant zombie? And then everything became clear. I, you couldn't I get your thought, head around it. Imagine, you couldn't get your head around it. You couldn't get your head around it. Imagine how hard it must have been for the zombie. Uh, I, I kind of thought the same thing you did for a second, uh, John. And I thought maybe he's stabbing to make sure the baby's dead. Like that the baby doesn't come out. You, you know, that if, if the person that's pregnant has died and zombified and then the baby comes out as a zombie. Yeah, I again, the, the whole thing was very awkward. And it was dark and... Again, I'm not looking at a high-def version of the show. I'm looking at a low-def version of the show. Um, so it just, yeah, I think that could have been uh, better handled. Well, one thing that this podcast should teach people who make horror is that we're terrified of zombie babies. <laughs> Zombabies. <laughs> uh, we head back over to Woodbury, where the governor and Andrea end up at the festivities, and we find a kind of gladiatorial ring, uh, which is actually right back where uh, Michonne killed the zombies as well, because there's that same little structure back there. Um, and at first, everybody's you know, cheering, and there's music playing, and Andrew has no idea what's going on. And at that point, uh, they bring zombies out that are chained to the center, and uh, Merle and another guy named Martinez come out. Uh, Merle starts doing one-handed push-ups, which, uh, reminder everybody, Michael Rooker is 58 years old. Uh, he's doing one-handed push-ups inside of his uh, his uh, no-hand prosthetic thing. And then uh, he and Martinez commence to beat the other ever-loving crap out of each other. Uh, and it's pretty awesome. But and- That was actually footage of uh, Jack Palance doing one-arm push-ups. I just put Michael Rooker's face on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's a pretty, you know, balls-out fight. Everybody's, you know, going for it. They're trying to stay away from the zombies. And at one point, they even uh, loosen the chain so the zombies are even closer. And they have less space to fight. And Merle wipes the floor with Martinez. But Andre's getting, you know, increasingly uh, disturbed by the whole event. And the governor's like, you know, it's, you know, think of it as boxing or think of it as, you know, WWE, that type of thing. We, It's all a show. We pull out the zombies' teeth. So that explains what we had seen earlier. And... She sits down and she stays, but I think by the end of the episode, you still feel like she's she's really creeped out by this whole thing. You know, even if she's staying, she she still has a lot of reservations about what she's just watched. It's interesting to me how many of the elements of Woodbury we're actually seeing pop up in Woodbury. Um, I mean, oh yeah, because when we first saw you know, the Woodbury, the version that we have in the television show, I mean, it's very different from the Woodbury in the comic. The governor is very different from the you know the governor in the comic, so it was very much you know going to be its own take. So as it's been going on, I've been interested to see like which parts have been capped, uh, you know, and which parts haven't. And I'm glad this part got capped. Like it was the same way I felt when they showed the you know his room with the fish tanks with all the heads. I was so glad they kept you know that part of it. I, I really appreciate when they you know they keep these parts of it that really do fit and, and kind of uh, you know make it the walking dead for me anyway was it um staged in the comic i don't think so i want to say there yeah, was multiple I, times it, we saw it and there were slight differences every time i don't believe it was staged i think i sorry listeners who don't want us talking about the comics uh i don't believe i think we saw people in the ring in the comics actually getting bit by zombies because that was part of the peril right was it i think it was was it a punishment in the comic like convicted people did this or something or i seem to i don't know if i'm just getting confused with like but i want to say we uh, saw it twice we saw it once where it was like for real and once where we saw it where it was more staged and just for somewhat more innocent entertainment but i can't remember yeah i okay 
it just seemed to come off a, a little more, or I sh- maybe I should say a little less uh, serious on the TV show. It, the whole thing was kind of silly. It had like a wrestling vibe. It didn't come off as so... Uh, Life or death? Dangerous, for lack of a better word. What Life you or death? Yeah, thank you. That's that's a good way of describing it. I don't know. I'm, I'm very negative Nancy, so I'm going to be quiet until the end. But uh, I don't know. It, it seemed like, like I was glad they put it in, like Jim said, but it's like over and done with, and I don't feel like I got my money's worth out of it. This was the scene that I was referring to earlier when I said it kind of put Merle back on the badass uh, side of things for me because I did uh, – take it differently than you i did feel that um it did feel perilous to me uh it it just told me that these people are crazy and they're going to put themselves in these positions you know they're so confident turns out like like uh you guys mentioned it's staged and they have no teeth so the biting is a minimal thing at this point but you know the feeling i got first watching it was that okay these people really are crazy and they really have lost touch with reality so I didn't I I was happy with the scene the way it played out. I, I wasn't disappointed like John was. And speculation, I have a feeling this is not the last we've seen of the gladiatorial ring in the show, and I have a feeling it'll be a little bit more perilous by the next time we see it. That's just where what I'm guessing. I don't think you set something like this That'd up be cool. to never look at it again. If this was yeah, like you said if this was just a setup so we know it exists so they can use it for a better scene, that that's fine by me. Uh, then we head back to the prison to finish out the episode. We have the scene where, uh, and we already mentioned it, but where Daryl lays a Cherokee rose on Carol's grave, or at least on the grave marker where uh, they're remembering her. And then we head back to Rick in the boiler room. Uh, he's just kind of sitting on the floor. He's you know, still in a state of complete shell-shockedness, and uh, we, we start to hear a baby crying. And it's, I, I want to say they're you know, shooting from a Dutch angle. They're shooting from a weird angle. It's all very off-kilter. So we continue to hear the baby cry, and then there's another noise that comes in, and it's a ringing phone. And uh, Rick looks over and, you know, completely surprised, he walks over, picks it up, and he says the word, hello, and the episode ends. My wife, I just have to say, my wife is infuriated with me that I will not tell her who is on the <laughs> other end of the phone. Uh, I refuse to do so, so... Well, the... Did anybody get goosebumps and fist pump the air and saying, yes! Oh, yeah. Oh, I... I was going crazy. I mean, when as soon as yeah. I heard that phone ring, I was like, oh, you have got to be kidding me. And then it just kept going, and I was like, holy cow. I just, it just really, it it, it surprised me because, I, again, I, I didn't think they were going to go there at this point. You know what, though? I knew, well, I can't say it. Next week, I will tell you <laughs> when I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I tell you what, though, we don't know that it that it's going to play out the way we expect it to, because that's what sure this show do. has. That's what the show has done lately. Is it totally goes 180 from what we expect? I, I have another. I'll bet you a bazillion dollars. I have another okay. theory as to I, why, I would hope why it, it will. Would. But again, I can't saying it this week will be bad. If I say, it, I think it'll be a little more clear next week. Uh, yeah, say trust it. us, listeners. Yeah. It'll be worth it. it it's, it'll yeah, be yeah. worth it for all this talking around things. When you see it next week. Um, well, I'll say this. I didn't love the storyline in the comic. However, I have thought for a while if they do it in the show, I think it'll actually be better. I think it's the type be better. I think it's the type of thing that will play better on film than it does reading a comic book. I'll, and I'll leave that at that. 
there's a similar thing that happens to another character in the comic book that they haven't played out on the TV show yet. And I'm 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 wondering if that's going to happen eventually. I um we all right, let's assume that we know. Let's assume for a minute that the it, they're going with the comic book story. 99% so we know sure who's on the know. phone. Okay. So, I asked people in our Facebook group that do not read the comics to DM me with their theory on who they think is calling. And four people DM'd me and all got it right. Really? Really? And that's what I was afraid of. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, very they're, interesting. Maybe, maybe they're reading the comics and telling you they aren't. I don't think so. Okay. They're our Facebook friends. They wouldn't lie to us. Not on the internet. No, of There's, course not. Uh, what do you think about that? How do you... You said you were afraid of that, John. What does that tell you? What does that mean to you that they guessed it already? I don't know. I, I was hoping that be, because I, I, we can't say anything. <laughs> I can't. I can't explain myself just for the people who are guessing wrong or have no idea. Well, then let's have this be. conversation again next week. Okay. So, what are your Buster ratings for this episode, guys? May I go first? Uh, for a dollar, please. I would like to, before I give my ratings, I would like to propose that we change the Buster ratings to uh, T-Dog ratings, and I'm going to do this uh, per Philip Hurd's suggestion on the on the Twitter machine. Uh, he rated last week's show five T-Dogs. He says, uh, I suggest renaming Busters to T-Dogs in his honor. And I'm going to, I'm going to, from now on, give my T-Dog ratings because... I think T Dog was mistreated. Uh, Buster was a nice thing for a while. You know, he showed up once, and we tried to keep the dream alive. I'd rather keep T Dog's dream alive. Um, so I'm going to give this episode. I'm going to give it five Busters. That's uh, five T Dogs. That's how much I was thrilled with this episode. I don't believe I've ever given an episode of The Walking Dead five uh, Busters, and certainly not but, five T Dogs. No, this I I was just completely satisfied with this episode, um, with the exception of Lori's body, that mystery. But everything else made up for it, and so I definitely think this deserves five T dogs. It's my first five, and I'm I'm happy with it. I'll go next. Uh, I give it four, and it's funny, as I was watching the episode, I was leaning towards like three and a half, because I, th I thought it was good, uh, I thought there was a lot of cool stuff, I think uh, Greg Nicotero's direction was was a, a, another positive, um, but that last ten seconds of the episode really just put it over the top, and after that I just I said it's got to be a four, so four, four for me. I uh, will be uh, straight in line with Mr. Russ, and I will also give it a four. The Lori's body thing kind of bothered me as quickly as they're, and the, the way they're quickly dismissing that Carol might be dead, especially after the thing that just happened with the inmate they assumed was dead, you know, totally messing up their world. I would think they would not assume that anyone was dead unless they had a body, you know, to back it up. So uh, a few things bothered me in this episode, but overall I really enjoyed it a lot. I'm glad they're including some of the, some more of the story beats of Woodbury in the, in the, uh, 
the game here. I'm glad we saw a little more of insight into the governor. Um, lots of really good action. So uh, even though the, the thing with Lori's body bothered me and, and uh, a few other things, uh, solid four out of five. I will give this uh, 2.75 Jackies. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> I didn't want to give it T-Dogs with a 2.75. Um, okay, I used to say that I thought the comic readers were getting more out of the experience. Like, remember we talked about the end of Season 2. Uh, we know what the prison and Michonne means, but the other people don't, so is it, like, a bigger deal to us? You know, like, that sort of thing. Now I feel the opposite. I feel that the show has departed so much from the comic that, to me, it's become less interesting. Um... Let, let me just I, – I just – I was jotting a couple of things down. I'll, I'll try to be as brief as possible. Uh, what did we want when this began before season one, right, or, or when season one started? We wanted Shane's death done, okay? We wanted the farm done. We wanted Andrea to learn how to shoot done. We wanted the prison done. We wanted Michonne, check. We wanted the governor and Woodbury, check. Uh, we wanted the zombie arena, check. And we wanted the phone call, check. Uh, I really can't think off the top of my head of any other big comic storyline that I'm, like, jazzed for. Beware the Hunters. You know what? It's going to seem so much like the governor. But, but let's not even get let's not even get into that. Let's, that's a good one. Fine. Maybe I'll write that one down. But, but I don't know. Point being, like, I feel like they blazed through a lot of this stuff. And, like, I felt like the governor could have been a mystery for longer. Like Russ said earlier, they kind of let the kid out of the bag right away with Penny. I felt even him sitting down in front of the heads, I thought that came too soon. Like, we know that he's a bad guy already. Um, yeah, we know. The comic reader knows. But the the well, TV Michonne viewer... knows. The, the only one that can't figure it out is Andrea. The Michonne, Michonne suspects. She doesn't know. No, Michonne knows, Brad. Okay, she knows she now. Away. She knows now, but she didn't know up until this last episode. She suspected. She had a feeling. Anyway, uh, I will have to either come to terms with that it's totally different from the comic. Um, I have. You can do yes, it, too. Yes, I know. You can I, do and it, I'm, too. I'm happy for you. I think that's fantastic. I promise I will not be a Debbie Downer if this doesn't turn around for me. I will retire or – right, exactly. But right now it's just – it's not as interesting for me. I And, you know, I'm not happy about the baby. I'm just regu- pretty negative right now. Um, it's still like good TV. I'm not denying – I'm not saying it's a bad show or anything. It's just kind of like gone away from my expectations and stuff. So whatever. Uh, I definitely didn't like this as much as the previous two. Maybe 275 is a little harsh. But uh, I, I didn't want to go three, so I'm going two seven five. Well, I'm much more in Brad's camp this week. I'm going to give it a four seven five. Little baby ass kickers out of five. Um, I really enjoyed it. There's nothing about it in particular that bothered me. Um, yes, Lori's body wasn't there, but like I've already said, I feel there was stylistic reasons that they would do that. And you know what? Beginning to end, I was I was really enjoying it. I love how we're getting this nice dichotomy back and forth between Rick going crazy and the governor being crazy, how they're both dealing with losing their loved ones and trying to maintain some semblance of normalcy at the same time. Um, Contrasting your hero and your villain like that, I think is just really 
interesting and fun TV, and I'm I'm on board for it. So four seven five uh, out of five for me, and uh, yeah, I, I'm on board. So uh, what did our Facebook fans and our Twitter fans think? Well, it's a little more varied spread than last week. Uh, Terry Bernard gives it a 4.35. New Knight gives it a 5 out of 5 compared to 99% of the stuff on TV. The Walking Dead is always better. Uh, Shane Jenkins, Leroy Jenkins' older brother, gave it three bucks. Leroy! <laughs> okay. Give it three busters. For me, this is the weakest episode of the season so far. It was one of those episodes where nothing really happened. The show didn't move on. There were a couple things they used from the comic that were a welcome addition. That was all. Uh, Amy Jade Sun gave us three or gave it three and three quarters busters. Not bad. A bunch of fun things happening in Woodbury. The introduction of Undead Penny and some great action for Michonne. Finally, uh, we also um, let's see. We got a three point five from Harold. Uh, it was a needed episode, but there were some spots that seemed a little forced. Uh, the baby food shopping, uh, and the mother of the year in her third trimester never thought to pick up any baby supplies until now. Uh, 3.5 from Leslie as well. Uh, Belinda Clark gave us a four, gave it a 4.0. Uh, where is Lori's body? It is not clear to me Carol is dead at all. I don't think it's clear to any of us, really. Uh, Crystal gave us, gave it a 4.5. Super excited about Rick getting the call. Uh, Joe Jans also gave it a 4.5. Uh, Adam gave it a 4. I'll give it 4 busters. It would be very hard to top last week's episode. Uh, I can agree with that. Robert gave it a 4 out of 5. So generally, uh, good positive reviews. We have a few in the 3s, but mostly uh, for all you know in the range of 4, 4.5. Uh, Luke Smith also gave it 4 busters in the aftermath of all that happened last week. We knew this one wouldn't be on quite the same level. It did, however, have cool stuff, both original and from the comic. So, uh, yeah, between three and four for most of our uh, Facebook group. If you'd like to join our Facebook group on the, uh, on the Facebooks, we'd be happy to have you. Uh, the Walking Dead podcast, or Walking Dead TV podcast uh, group, just you know, search for us and uh, join up. Pretty much the same deal on Twitter. Um, we didn't get as many this week. I wasn't tweeting live, so I didn't ask for ratings. Uh, four out of five from Jimmy in Georgia. 4.5 out of 5 from Buster the Zombie, so that's a little bit biased if you ask me. Uh, 3.5 from Suburban Hood. Good episode. I'm really digging the graphic kills. Seems uh, Still seem to be missing something. 4.5 from Donnie Lockery. Uh, and I guess I should mention at this point, Jim, you talked some Walking Dead with Donnie on a different podcast this week. I did. Uh, Nothing's On, episode 75. Uh, we had uh, Stephanie from the uh, Sci-Fi Party Line. And uh, Daryl and Donnie and I, and we uh, we talked uh, for a good hour and a half on Walking Dead. So if you uh, want to hear some more interesting Walking Dead talk, we definitely uh, talked it up then. Uh, that's a Nothing's On podcast on the uh, the Daryl um, the uh, the Taylor Network of podcasts. You can find that at taylornetwork dot wordpress dot com. And again, also on Twitter, just a couple of people asking, did that zombie that Rick stabbed in the stomach eat Laurie's dead body? So there were uh, there were two or three of those. So uh, like we said, maybe uh, not pulled off as nicely as they would want to, but we'll understand that a little better next week, I think. All right, that's it for this week's episode. Be sure to stick around after I do the actual closing for uh, our plot synopsis for next week's episode. It's minorly spoilery in that it hasn't aired yet, but nothing big in there. Uh, don't forget to check out our website, hhwlod.com or walkingdeadtv.com for all of our contact information. We'd love to hear from you on the show. And check out all of our other great shows there as well. So until there's no more room left in hell and the dead walk the earth, remember, the first rule about Zombie Fight Club, don't talk to Brad about Zombie Fight Club.
Have a good week, everybody. Good night. I don't get that one. Brad Brad hates Fight Club. Zombie, 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 zombie. Can somebody uh, reset Jim? Fight Club sucks. <laughs> I need a software update, please. Just, just, just give him a little kick. <laughs> All right, and next week on The Walking Dead again, mild spoilers. Uh, episode six of season three is entitled "Hounded," and the plot synopsis we have is: As Andrea grows closer to the governor, Michonne makes a decision about Woodbury. Glenn and Maggie go on a supply run, Axel is attempting to fix the generators, and Rick struggles with the death of his wife. That is probably the longest synopsis we've had all season. Glenn and Maggie go on a supply run? Oh no! I think that's a euphemism. I mentioned earlier that I had a voicemail that was probably spoiler speculation. So why don't I play that? It's short. Let's just play that real quick. It has to do with the preview that they showed... For next week. Gotcha. So here we go. So if you haven't watched the previous, hey stay with I just wanted to leave a tip. Uh, if you notice on the episode six promo, right at the end when you see Maggie holding up her gun, if you pause it, you'll notice that the person that uh, Maggie is shooting, it has to be uh, a zombified Carol. Because if you pause it, you know, it seems to be a woman with like a shaved head. And I'm putting all my money on the fact that it has to be Carol. And um, I don't know, what are your thoughts? Are you surprised? And I'm kind of a little disappointed because I kind of wanted to see a little bit more character development between her and Daryl if that would have gone anywhere or anything. But just wanted to leave you on tip. Thanks. I saw the preview, but I didn't see that shot he was referring to. I don't could buy be, it. Could also be tricky editing. They do that a lot. Yeah, that's that's what I've learned about this show is that all the previews, Lead you to think one thing's going to happen when in fact it right. never like does. Right, like the Vatos so coming back. I, right, I would, I would uh, try to get that money back if I, I were can't. You, Where are you going that you're betting money on these things? <laughs> Remember that episode of Lost where the preview was like Jin speaking English, saying everything you know is going to change, and that kind of broke my brain for a week until it turned out it was a dream sequence next week. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it was still a mind breaking experience. He's going to zombie Vegas. Remember that episode of Three's Company? The hotel there, they don't have a circus circus there. They have a zombie zombie. Remember that episode of Three's Company where there was that misunderstanding? (laughs) You ever ever see that Lifetime movie about that woman? Have a good week, everybody. Come and knock on our door. We now have a closing. Come and knock on our door. We've been waiting for you. The kisses are hers and hers and his. Three's company too. Quick, talk talk bad about Jordan so when he edits this, he can he can get paranoid. Jordan, you mother. <laughs> Jordan has a piece. Jordan is a loot stealing bastard in Borderlands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like di- I'm like ten, or I don't know six or eight levels lower than him. I'm dying. I'm trying to get to the health power up before I die. Here comes Jordan. <laughs> Jordan watches Dancing with the Stars. The only thing that comes to mind is a joke about Jersey, but I think it's still too soon, so. Yes. I will refrain. Yes. All right, what are we, 76? If you add a couple of our ages together, you might get that. Ruskell, what do, you, do you have the um, DCBS thing handy? I do. So I call him Ruskell. I do. Okay, cool. I think Jordan's on, so we blew it. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to play with Jordan. Yeah, it is 76. Okay. <laughs> That's a wet. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
fart noise. <laughs> is that what that is? I did not recognize the fart noise. Right. Jordan, in case you were worried, we already have two minutes of bloopers. <laughs> two and a half. <laughs> now, some fans are nice. I used to have a van that had a TV and a bed. Predator it was pretty van. sweet. No, it was a nice Chevy uh, Express conversion van. Captain's chairs, everything. So we're gonna. I heard today that Anchorman Two is going under the knife March of next year. Does that so mean it's being excited. released or having surgery? Going under the knife. It's, it's well, whatever. It's getting started. <laughs> I thought you meant they're like trimming it down or something. <laughs> like I have no idea why end. I said going under the knife. This has been a complete intelligence failure of massive proportions. I have no idea why I said that. It's being. They're going to start filming in March. Gotcha. Under the knife. Can we start, please? I, yeah, let's get to. this show over the bridge. <laughs> Why don't you build me a bridge, something, something, and get over it? Check, one, two, check. Check, 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 one, two, marker. All right, let's do this. Uh, we got Johnny M., we got Brad Milo, we got Russ. I can't even think tonight of what you guys are called. You're all <laughs> whacked out on Fig Newtons, dude. Calm oh, yeah. <laughs> so many Fig Newtons. They're good. Break, breaking bad with, with Fig Newtons. Now, was Brad Pitt in the book? I'm kidding. <laughs> no. No, he's not. I'm kidding. The main character's name is Bradley Pitford. <laughs> All right. Jim, Thank you, you. want to take care of that? <laughs> That's not mine. <laughs> Jim, you are not the father. Yes! All right! Yeah! <laughs> Ooh, ooh, ooh. And as the baby cries, we then hear... That wasn't racist at all, by the way. What? The woo-woo-woo. I do that all the time. Wait, okay. How would that be racist? I'm very confused at this That's point. That's like an Arsenio Hall thing, isn't it? Stereotyping the... Oh, the they Maury do it on Brovich. all shows. Yeah. They do it on 60 Minutes. <laughs> the McLaughlin group. Yeah, you know, I hear that enough in my daily life. It's a zombie baby. Here's the funny thing. I'm watching the episode with my sister, right? And the, the scene with Rick is playing out. And I think it was actually during an earlier scene with Rick when he's attacking the zombie. But I went, uh, I, I kind of told her, I was like, oh, I, I find it interesting they're going this route here. Because, you know, after Lori died in the comics, when Rick and go after zombies and everything, this is what they did. And I laid out this story. And then about 10 seconds after I finished telling her what happens in the comics, the phone rings and I went, well, I guess I just spoiled you on what comes next. So sorry about that. Cause I did not think they were going to do it. But again, I think it'll work pretty well on the show. So you know, only time will tell, but here's hoping for the best. <laughs>